Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC Fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC Fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10% discount at checkout. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. everyone and welcome to off the block swimming podcast i'm your host robbie cox joined today by uh the expert commentator himself for world aquatics uh super coach mr bobby hurley former world record holder as well bobby hurley how are you mate yeah pretty good robbie it's been a while since i've introduced you mate sorry i forgot the former world record holder as well i used to i usually get that in there straight away Yeah, it's been a little while since our last chat, but, um, you know, just ramping things up and studying up on the world champs in Doha, which start on Sunday. So obviously that's the main point of our conversation, which is, which is always good to catch up. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of world championships. There's sort of one every six months now. Um, and obviously the Olympics in six months time. So, um, I definitely don't want to downplay these world championships, but there's going to be a lot of opportunity for some swimmers to, look for some hardware and look for confidence um, on the road to Paris. So it, it should still be very, very interesting racing in the pool this week. Yeah. No, you hit the nail on the head. I think the word that I, that comes to mind for me this week is opportunity. There's opportunities there for swimmers to put themselves in really strong positions, uh, opportunities for swimmers like a Jacqueline Barclay to sort of come out of, I guess the shadows, and I mean, she's been a phenomenal junior swimmer and junior uh, world champion, but uh, I think she's ranked third in based off uh, entry times going into it, uh, or the third fastest based off where she's been uh, in the last 12 months or whatever it might be. So there's opportunities uh, over the next, uh, you know, week or so. So for anyone listening, uh, the world champs in Doha start Sunday the 11th of Feb, goes through to Monday the 19th of Feb. Uh, we usually try and find a ways for the listeners to find ways to watch it so they can hear Bobby's great commentary, which I always like to watch uh, and listen to, mate. But, yeah, opportunity, and, and as you said, rightly so, like the Australian team isn't probably as stacked as it normally is, not to mention there's still some phenomenal swimmers in and amongst it. But as I said, there's Anna Anderson as well and Jacqueline Barclay who are on debut for the Australian team. So opportunity for those girls to have a crack and see what um, – what they've got at this level. Yeah, it certainly is. And um, you never know how things sort of transpire over the next six months. You know, those those two young girls, um, there is an opportunity on the women's backstroke side in Australia behind Kaylee to to get to Paris. And you never know 
you know, how things can unfold in that sort of final. So for them to get that experience now is is perfect timing for them. It, these World Championships couldn't, couldn't have come at a better time for, you know, these 18, 19, 20-year-olds that are just looking for more and more um, top-level race experience. But I sort of look at it as, um, as you said, opportunity. If, if you're someone who's never made a semifinals at Worlds, this is your chance to go there and make a semi. If, if you're always making semis and never made a final, well, this is your chance to make one or two finals. If you're on the Australian team but you've never been on a relay, maybe you get some relay experience here. Or if you've been in three or four finals and you've never got on the podium, well, here's your chance to potentially step up onto the podium, win your first Worlds medal um, with a couple of uh, the your adversaries um, not in attendance. Or if you've got a bunch of silver and bronze medals, well, this is your chance <laughs> to finally become world champion. And, uh, you know, if, if those that, that are crowned world champion next week get that gold medal put around their necks, um, people aren't going to remember when, when you retired what event it was or what world championships it was or who was there or who was sick, who was injured. Yeah. They just remember that you were world champion on that day in February 2024. So plenty of opportunity on offer. 100%. I mean, and, and the other thing, and we'll get to some of the events to watch out for a little bit later on, but yes and no, because we were having a, just before we started, a look at some of the events, and some of the events still, uh, depending, are, are quite stacked. I mean, yes, some of the bigger stars aren't there, but there are some events where all the stars in that event are, are still pretty much racing. So, as you said, yes and no, some of them there's opportunity, but some of them uh, it's, it's still great race um, practice. You're up against basically the people who are going to be there in the Olympic final as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we'll get it, get into it as we sort of break down um, the events and the people to watch. But, but again, it's those rookies looking for more experience or looking for a, a better taste of success at the world level. And then you've also got the veterans that are, a lot of them are on the comeback trail or have had a year off or haven't raced internationally for a period of time. Like Adam Peaty is going to be there racing in the breaststroke events without Chin Ha-young, who, you know, swept the three breaststroke events last year without Stubbody Cook. So we'll see how Peaty goes back on the world levels for the the for the first time since uh, since Tokyo, I think, um, racing in an actual world championships. Um, Chad Leclerc is the same. There's, there's a huge opportunity in the butterfly um, both butterfly events on the men's side this week. So we'll see if Chad can begin to build back to to his best form. Um, and you've still got Sarah Sostrom, you know, who's looking to go six six in a row in the women's 50 fly. Um, she's fast all year round. She's really nailed, uh, focused in on those 50s and, and loves to swim fast in season. So she's going to be tough to beat. So there is a mix of, of veteran and, um, and younger, uh, I guess, uh, less credentialed swimmers looking to step up on that on that ladder and on the podium. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's going to be a fun mix uh, over the week. I just want to get to, obviously, the Aussie team. For those of you listening who might not know uh, who's made the Australian team for this week. So just going to quickly go through uh, the list. Iona Anderson from Breakers, Jacqueline Barclay, St. Peter's Western, Jack Cartwright, St. Peter's Western, Abby Connor, USC Spartans, Isaac Cooper, St. Andrews, Jenna Forrester, uh, St. Peter's Western, Maddie Goff, Carlisle, Abby Harkin, St. Peter's Western, Shana Jack, St. Peter's Western, Moesha Johnson, Griffith, um, Cam McAvoy, Somerville House, Kim Elverton, uh, St. Peter's Western, uh, Alexandra Perkins, USC Spartans, Kai Taylor, St. Peter's Western, Brenna Throssell, St. Peter's Western, 
Um, there's no um, mistaken that Dean Box will be over there considering the amount of St. Peter's Western swimmers in this team. Samuel Williamson, uh, Melbourne Vic Centre, Elijah Winnington, St. Peter's Western, Brad Woodward, who I nearly ran into in the car park the other day in, uh, in Swiss as he was walking out and I was driving in. Um, from Mingara, um, obviously training at the, the New South Wales hub there at SOPAC. So the team is ready to rumble. As we mentioned, we've got some, obviously, people who have been there and done that and looking to prove themselves again. Cam McAvoy, who's swimming super quick and definitely would want to throw down a fast time leading into the Olympics. But also we mentioned the younger girls coming through with their first shot at it. Um, yeah, it's still a strong team, as we said, and, and, and finding ways to give the developing junior, you know, as I said, Jacqueline Barclay is a junior world champion, but giving them chances to shine. What When you saw the team, what, what did you think there? Um, yeah, it's, it's a very strong team because we're so deep um, on the Australian team at the top level these days. So there's a mix of guys that were in Fukuoka, that were in Tokyo, um, that are here on this team, and then a sprinkling of some younger people, as we mentioned before, getting getting their taste and getting their experience. Um you know, there's a big St. Peter's Western contingent, which is Dean Boxall. Um, I think Jenna Forrest was actually pulled off recently, but they've obviously just come from their, their pretty intense uh, training camp at Thanupura, which I think from memory they normally did before New South Wales opened in March. So they may have just sort of shifted their um, their preparation forward a month to give um, a lot of the uh, Dean's guys a bit more experience and confidence at this level. The top level guys in his squad, Molly and, and Ariane, aren't competing. Mm-hmm. Again, coming off successful world championships, there's not much for them to be gained going to Doha and winning. Um, they're already the people to beat in their events. They're already the world record holder. Emotionally, they only need to get themselves up once, and that's going to be in Paris. For the rest of the squad there, you know, Abby Harkin, looking for more finals, looking for some more international experience there. Shana potentially can win, definitely win medals. She got silver in the 50 in Fukuoka. You know, can she be a gold medalist in the 50 or 100 and be a world champion? That would be a huge achievement um, in Shana's story. Uh, Kia Melverton, you know, veteran coming back, looking to perform again at the top level. Kai Taylor, young guy, needs more experience racing individually. Um, And Elijah, you know, uh, coming off a poorer performance in Fukuoka, so looking to build himself up again. And he is a real confidence-based swimmer, so he needs that. So that's uh, can sort of pigeonhole those guys into um, into those sort of categories. And then Cam McAvoy and Isaac Cooper, um, they're our sprinters. They're just going to focus on those 50s, 50 fly, 53, and I think Isaac Cooper's doing the 50 backstroke. So um, I think for the sprinters, there's wouldn't be much of an excuse, I should say, if they swim slow. Um, mm. You know, you can can change your preparation and change your, your training blocks um, to perform. So this is a lot of execution practice and, and race execution, mental execution, getting comfortable in that call room for, for a guy like Isaac um, and being those big-time 50-metre finals and Cam just getting more reps under his belt um, at the highest levels as well. The thing that, I'd, that does stand out to me is they're very light on men, so mm-hmm. I don't know what relays if any at all they will actually swim here on the men's side um there doesn't look to be a four by 200 there or a four by 100 um unless isaac and cam swim the 100 free and the thing is they didn't need to did they bobby because they'd already qualified 
um, previously, which some people um, probably aren't aware of, of, of how they've got to qualify yeah. and get themselves into the Olympics and stuff like that. But yeah, obviously, maybe if they had to, they would have probably had to put something together. But of course, yeah, yeah. So the the US and Australia are the only two countries that qualified all relays on the men's and women's side. So relays are not a focus for the United States and Australia in Doha. Whether they compete again, just to provide more race experience for their swimmers. Um, that's probably on a case-by-case basis. The women's teams are still pretty strong, 4x1 and 4x2, especially with um, such a big St. Peter's contingent. And then their mixed relays will be really strong as well. You know, um, you know, 4x1 free, you've got Shayna, um, Kai Taylor, Jack Cartwright, and we need a second woman to swim on that, would be a, a Brianna Throssell or mm. a, um, who else is on there? Uh, Alex Perkins in a medley relay, something like that. So that's still a very strong team. That's definitely still a medal-winning team. Um, but I wouldn't expect, especially the Australian men, to, to feature much in relays at all. Um, just on the relays, the big talking point is Great Britain because they were gold medal favourites in the 4x100 free relay and were disqualified in the heats mm-hmm. uh, in Fukuoka last year. So they are yet to qualify. So they have to safely move through and be what I believe is top six or top eight in Doha uh, to con- to consolidate their Olympic berth. So, which they can do if they get, if they swim safely, they've definitely got um, the stable made of swimmers to, to do that and potentially even threaten the world record. Um, but they cannot afford a disqualification. And they actually are bringing over, I believe, Tom Dean and Matt Richards to yeah, race in that say, relay, yeah. and I don't think that they're racing individually. So they're going to go into the four by one on okay. day one, and then I believe Tom Dean is is leaving straight away after that. So um, not a big focus for them, but again, that throws a spanner into works into their individual preparations for Paris because on paper they're the gold medal favourites in Paris, but they don't have a lane at the moment. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely Matt Richards. I think he's. I think um, maybe Duncan Scott. Or do they the world champs? Do they swim together or no? Yeah, world champs. They yes. still swim as one team. So yeah, I think Duncan Duncan's Scott definitely will- racing individually. But I I believe Tom and Matt um, are only doing the four by one relay. Okay. Oh. Well, yeah, it's it's really interesting and. And unfortunately for them, as you said, they, they did get disqualified, so they, they had to go through this. I'm sure they would have been happier to be in the hot seat like the Aussies in the US and be able to put together a team just for uh, experience. But unfortunately, they've had to bring out their beer guns to get the job done. Um, so, yeah, that that is very interesting, mate. Now, um, we've talked a lot about opportunity, and it is, and it's exciting this week for people to get experiences and is there any danger in a meet like this leading up to an Olympic Games or an, an Olympic trials in June as well? Is there any danger that it could be not a great meet? I don't want to be the Debbie Downer on this, but I also like to play both sides of the coin as well. Do, do you see any opportunity for people to to maybe come away with not such a great experience? And I don't let's not name names, but you know what I mean? Um, I don't think – obviously that would be – a negative at this point in time or, or something um, that they'd be disappointed about. But to be honest, six months out, if if you are, you know, an Olympic level finalist, world championship finalist, and you don't have the best meet here in Doha, then that just gives you exposure to all the weaknesses that you need to fix, uh, yep. whether it be in the pool, out of the pool, your travel, your preparation, 
your execution in a big final. Um, that's probably a blessing in disguise to get that here versus in six months' time. Um, um, now, if you come here and you win five gold medals and then go to Paris and get a couple of silvers and bronzes, then other people are going to look at you. The media might look at you and see that as, as a failure. So that's where a really good meet here could put a little bit more pressure, a little bit more expectation on the next six months and make it just that little bit harder. So um, I don't think good and bad this week in Doha, this is just giving everybody more experience and exposure as to what they're going to come to expect. Um, but Doha will only be assessed after Paris is, is the way that I would put it. Um, the results and the performances from Doha will only be deemed a success or a failure depending on how you go in Paris. Yeah, because, I mean, it's just a little – it's a bit different, isn't it? We don't often have the world champs this close to an Olympic game. So, yes, there's some competitions, but yeah, it's a little bit different in the way it's all culminated with, obviously, you know, COVID and how it all went together. So it'll be definitely interesting to watch. Um, now, I mentioned we've got a few things to go through today, and one of the ones – I wanted to pick your brain about was races to watch out for over the week. So, as I mentioned to all the listeners, um, you know, Bobby commentates for the World Aquatics, the live show. I call it Bobby's live stream. He doesn't like that. He says it's way more um, <laughs> prestigious than that, and it is, but that's what the way I think it's Bobby's live stream because I just listen to hear his commentary. But, you know, you get to watch. You get a, the greatest seat in the house a lot of the time for some of the greatest swims. You've obviously had a look and gone through the team lists and who's racing and who's around. What are some of the races you're looking forward to this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it from a, uh, a commentator's point of view because it's going to be a lot more unpredictable of a world championships than, than what you normally see. Um, obviously, there's, there's new names, there's big names missing. Um, there's still world champions, very well-credentialed names in the field, but we don't know if they're going to be at their best, right? Mm. We don't know if Duncan Scott's going to be at his absolute best or Ruta Melutite if she's going to be in world record-breaking form. Um, so then that adds a little bit more unpredictability and from a commentator's point of view, just make keeps you on the edge of your seat, keeps you a little bit more on your toes um, as things can develop that might not normally happen in a race that's dominated by PD or or Milak or, or Leon Marchand. There's, there's, it's going to be a better racing spectacle to watch, I can say. Um, races for me to watch, I'm, you know, just looking at um, the start list over the last few days. Uh, I am a fan of the men's distance freestyle. Um, they are some of my favourite events to watch and commentate now because it's not one person just blowing away the field. There's really groups of three or four swimmers that are starting to push those world records. Um, so the men's 400, the whole final is returning from Fukuoka minus Sam Short, the world champion. So um, Hafnui is going to be the man to beat in the 400, the 800, and the 1500, racing relatively close to home, you know, in the Middle East. So um, he'll have a, a big crowd and um, a lot of people supporting him. Um, and Daniel Whiffen looks to be the, the biggest challenger in those in all three of those events. He's fresh off breaking the short course world record in the 800 last December. Um, you know, he likes to put himself out there on YouTube and, and talk the talk. He wants to be mentioned um, in that breath of those greatest distance swimmers around. Um, so I want to see what Whiffen can do long course. He was just off the podium a few times in Fukuoka. Um, I'd say he'll definitely be on the podium, but can he get over the top of Hafnui? Um, is he a better distance swimmer than that? the, the older contingent of Romanchuk and Palchuneri and Walbrock? 
um, you know, that's yet to be seen. And and for those European names that I just said, they're, they're not racing the open water coming into the World Championships like they did in Fukuoka. So that should be a yeah. much more pool-focused preparation for those guys. So um, especially a guy like Walbrock, who's capable of doing it all, um, I'm well, interested got- to see what he can do. Yeah, well, he's coming in, obviously, with the second fastest time, Walbrock. So, uh, and Dan Whiffen, you mentioned him. I remember when I had Sam on after the World Champs and we had a chat about the the race, and that was a swimmer that he mentioned that he probably thought would be a little bit further up. He thought he was racing him. No disrespect to uh, Ahmed Hafnawi. They just hadn't seen him race for a while, so he just kind of popped out of nowhere. And we knew what he was capable of, obviously, from the Olympics, but... Um, when you don't race as much, it's it's harder to get a, a guide. And I know Sam thought Dan Whiffen was going to be the sort of the baseline that he needed to go off. So um, and you mentioned him there. So I, I think obviously he's got a point to prove coming into this. No Sam Short uh, might be a place for him to feel like maybe he can. We talked about opportunity. It might be an opportunity for him to step up and put his name up there. Yep, certainly is. And, and again, even for these distance guys, um, you know, we're still six months out. So, again, it's not going to greatly affect their, their training block and whatnot. Um, and they get a, a practice of an eight-day week as well. Um, I can't uh, under, over-mention how difficult it is to be up as a middle distance and distance guy for, for eight or nine days. Well, Paris is going to be nine days. They race the 400 heat and final on day one, the 800 heat and final and day three and four they get a day a day's rest or a day or two's rest and have to go hard in the 1500 heat now that's not an easy comfortable heat swim like it was when we're watching Hackett and Perkins and whatnot swimming 15 minutes plus in the heat these guys have to go 1450 in the morning and then 36 hours later look to be getting in down towards those low 1430 so that's an incredibly difficult thing to do and a lot can change in the space of those eight days. So, again, they get another week of um, swimming those events uh, all in a row. Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia other way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the arena logo front and center on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts, and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Uh, Mate, another one. That, and we mentioned it a little bit early with Shana Jack there, but obviously Sarah Showstrom, the goat of women's sprinting, uh, is going to be there as well. So that 50-metre freestyle, it's it's not – yeah, we mentioned before, yes, there's opportunity, but there's certain events that it's basically, um, you know, a, a copy and paste from uh, Fukuoka and probably looking forward to Paris as well, give or take one or two, but it's certainly – you know, there's there's not as much opportunity. I guess that's my way of saying it because the the faster swimmers are still there, albeit whether any are nursing injuries coming back from things where they are in their preparation. Uh, that's all you know part of it as well. But Sarah Showstrom, Shana Jacks ranked second there in times. Um, so it's still going to be pretty quick that women's fifty and the women's sprinting in general. Yeah, certainly it's a, a returning podium in that women's fifty free and. You know, you, you say, you mentioned 
Sarah Sochon's the goat of women's sprinting, which, you know, she's the world record holder in the 1500 free, in the 1500 fly as well. Um, but in the freestyle event, she hasn't won an Olympic title, you know, broke her arm six months before uh, Tokyo and did a remarkable job to get herself on the podium in the 50 free. She has won Olympic gold in the 100 fly previously, um, doesn't really focus on that event uh, since. So she's so dominant in these 50s. And she'll no doubt want another good performance here leading into into Paris. Um, so she's definitely the one to beat and, and Shane is on the rise, you know, PB after PB last year, um, medal, silver medal in Fukuoka. It's going to be tough to beat the world record holder, but this is, there's nothing to lose for Shana, right? So whether she gets gold, silver, bronze or fourth or fifth, there's just so many areas of improvement for her to pick on. Um, and again, getting more experience and more reps at the world level. Um, to better prepare her to to try and get on top uh, in Paris. So that's going to be quick and similar um, uh, in the women's 100 freestyle with Siobhan Horhi. She was uh, a medalist in in Tokyo in the 100 and 200 and was silver in Fukuoka behind Molly last year. And now she comes in as as the favourite. She she won at Asian Games. She was flying on the World Cup circuit late last year. Um, she's starting to build, looks to continue to improve every season on the way to Paris. So if there's somebody come Paris that could that could challenge Molly in the hundred and um, Molly and Ariane in the two hundred um, is is Siobhan Horhe from Hong Kong. So um, I, I I've got a high opinion of her. I think she's got a beautiful freestyle stroke. She's got speed, endurance. Um, she's actually racing breaststroke at the world at the world level now as well at the top level. So um, she's a real all rounder and this could be her chance to uh, to again dominate at the world level um, and get more confidence under a belt. Yeah, well, I mean, anyone that listens to the podcast and can cast their mind back to uh, the Olympic previews that we did and know that Bobby was a big fan of Siobhan back then. We definitely spoke about her a lot back then. Um, and and she's been obviously still doing really, really well. She's always hovering, as you said, there and about. She's she's yet to, I guess, claim the big, the big, you know, title. But she's always certainly right next to them. It comes down to a touch. She's been flying. This certainly looks like it's set up for her to to stamp her approval and and show that she's ready to go to Paris uh, and throw down, as you mentioned. So absolutely, you know, this isn't Bobby just bringing this up now. As I said, go back in time, go back to twenty twenty one and listen. And he did mention Siobhan Jorge back then, um, and only experience uh, that she's she's carried from then to now surely is going to make it be. She's almost primed and ready for Paris if you really look at it and you look at how she's built and and her sort of development experience. Um, absolutely. Uh, mate, the men's 100 freestyle uh, is going to be interesting too. We're missing, obviously, a lot of uh, the big guns or the big names, but you've also I think still got Matt Richards. I mean, I thought he was swimming. You mentioned he's not, but you probably know way, way more than me. Um, but, you know, Moresi, um, there's a few that are still there in time, but not sort of the big names that we're used to. Yeah, yeah, without Kyle missing and, um, you know, Popovich is not not going to be there either. So, um, and Matt Richards, like you said, um, yeah, well, yet to be confirmed, we'll say. But, um, you know, Wang Sun Wu, I think, is um, definitely in the 200, will probably start as favourite. Um, he's won the last two short course world titles. Um, and Korea are really building in their men's 4x1 and 4x200 free relays. So they should, they might actually 
win the four by two hundred free if Great Britain don't swim their best swimmers. So um, Wang's got this beautiful freestyle, great turns, um, likes to swim out in front. So he's got the potential to to blow away the field in the two hundred freestyle. And in the hundred, um, we're probably looking at Pan from China, Peter Pan, forty six nine as a as a teenager at Asian Games last year, um, almost got. Popovich's world record. It, it's kind of funny. The two fastest hundred freestyles in the world are teenagers from Romania and China, <laughs> not Carl Chalmers and not Kayla Dressel. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's on paper. That's on paper. I'll take Carl in a race every single time. Um, but again, you know, can this 18-year-old kid from China get on the podium, get on top of the podium at the world level? Um, it'll be dangerous in the 200 as well. But yeah, it's probably the two swimmers from Korea and China that um, will start favorites in the, the men's freestyle. Yeah, mate, 100%. Um, we're going to talk about now just some athletes to watch out for. You're someone who I've always admired your ability to know lots of different swimmers coming through. Um, obviously, for us sometimes here, or for me, very much um, Australia-based, which you have a good knowledge of Australian swimmers as well, but you always blow my mind with some of these names that come out of nowhere from, you know, these European countries and places or China. I think, how do you know that? Next minute they swim fast and they're killing it. Is, is there any athletes over the next uh, week that we, we probably should be keeping an eye on and looking out for? Um, Kate Douglas from the US, I think she's going to be a superstar um, this week. She's, as I mentioned earlier, she's someone, she's entering an excess of events here, breaststroke, butterfly, IMs, sprint freestyle. She's the, um, she's, probably the Kaylee McEwen of US swimming right now. So she she focuses on the, the 200 IM. She's world champion in that. She's short course world champion in the 200 breaststroke as well. Um, and she's basically the US's best sprint butterfly and freestyle option. So she ticks every box, um, probably needs to put together a, a big week of multiple events. Um, I think in Fukuoka, she probably raced, she raced a lot, um, but not as many individual events and, and her Olympic programs probably still unridden at the moment, whether she can bring on 100 breast, whether it's worth doing the 100 free or 100 fly up against those sort of stacked fields. But she's someone that could walk away with multiple individual gold medals and individual medals. Um, so that's going to be exciting to see how she puts that week together. And then um, Lana Puda from Bosnia and Herzegovina. She's, uh, she was young a couple of years ago. She's probably only 17 or 18 now. Um, I think she... She was in a final at Short Course Worlds in Abu Dhabi as like a 15-year-old, you know, from a, a, a non-traditional swimming country, really tall, uh, got a great stroke, very poor skills, but again, continues to develop. Um, she's been 206. If she starts dipping down to 205, 204 and becomes world champion, again, you're giving, you're, you're just giving so much yeah, confidence and energy to, to a young swimmer on the rise. So, um, they're definitely two on the women's side that that we haven't touched on. And on the men's side, um, the United States roster's still full of big-name swimmers, but Shane Cassis and Michael Andrew, they are, um, you know, very well-credentialed in their own right. Um, short course world champions. Michael Andrew's, you know, got Olympic hardware under his belt as well. But probably over the last three or four years, you would say inconsistent at world championship level. So, again, multi-event guys. Andrew's going to go for all 450s, probably be on some relays. Cassis has got the ability of 100 fly, 200 IM. I'm not sure if he's racing the backstroke as well. But um, 
multi multi event talents that um, at their best uh, are up there with number one, number two swimmers in the world um, uh, on on any calendar year. So they get their chance to potentially put their stamp on one event, if not more events, um, this week. It's interesting when you mentioned Douglas. I mean, she's super talented in terms of you don't often see 100 breaststroke, like a breaststroke would be able to be in 100 freestyle as well. When I say you don't often, very, very rarely. There are cases, I'm not saying, but you just don't often see it. Do you think this week is a kind of a look-see into the preparation and the program perhaps for the Olympics in yeah. terms of what she's going to be able to handle? You see it often. Obviously, Michael Phelps had a massive program, but then you see he could handle it. Other swimmers may have the – we've seen Kaylee drop her 200 IM even though she was going in to an Olympics uh, ranked first or second or, or whatever it was yeah. in the world, and she just, you know, due to – feeling like it was going to hand um you know hinder her her week they decided against it would this be a good week do you think for for douglas and the coach and the u.s team to have a look and go all right let's let's throw it all out there and and see where the week ends yeah yeah 100 percent. this is uh testing the waters and they would still want to deliver um in these finals but just more can probably seeing how much can she handle how many back backups can she handle what are the relays going to look like as well? So off the top of my head, I think Douglas is going to race the 1500 free, 100 fly, 100 breast, 200 breast, 200 IM. And she should probably win the 200 breast, 200 IM. And she threw a down a shot. pretty quick 200 breast yeah. the other day. Well, think about this. She's world champion in the 200 IM. She's faster than Kaylee in the 200 IM. She's three seconds faster than Jenna Strosh in the 200 breast. She's number two all time 200 breast stroke, I think. Um, she's 24-2 in the 53. So she's just behind Shana in a 53 and she's quicker than Brianna Throssell in a 100 fly, you know, mm. <laughs> all wrapped into one person. Uh, yeah. Pretty pretty impressive. So, yeah, it's going to be a big week for her. Um, and, yeah, she gets she gets a chance to, to see what she can do and the world gets to watch that. Yeah, it's, de- it's going yeah, to be interesting watching that uh, and the decisions they make moving forward because – you know, depending on having a look at your program, I mean, if you're that good in the 200 breaststroke, you're probably aiming to podium. And at the Olympics, you know, when you look at the 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 50 and the 100 free, and all the girls that are in and around that, I'm not saying she's not capable, but certainly you would like to think probably based off her breaststroke, she's probably more than likely going to podium in breaststroke. So, do you want to, you know, put that in there that to get in your way? Some swimmers do do it. Some swimmers handle it. Some swimmers, you know, get up, as we said, we've seen from from champions in the past. So it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. So watch that space. Um, I want to take this opportunity, Bobby, too, to just congratulate the open water team uh, who competed uh, last week. Um, Nick Sloman, Kyle Lee qualifying for the Olympics. Um, again, for anyone who doesn't know, it's not necessarily just to go to trials, and which was in, in January. Um, and go one, two, and you're on a team. Open war is very different. Point systems, and you've got to get yourself in the top 10, all that sort of stuff. Moesha Johnson um, also qualified as well. So we've got two uh, swimmers in the men, two in the women going to the Olympics, which is phenomenal. Um, congratulations to the Aussies uh, over there. Um, yeah, it, it was great to see. And as I said, it's great to watch the open water team just getting stronger and stronger each week. Karina Lee's set the benchmark now with an Olympic gold medal. 
Uh, and it's good to see that the Aussies are getting stronger and stronger in open water as well. It's not like, not that it's ever been the Mickey Mouse event. I'm not trying to downplay it, but it was never something that was sort of glorified in terms of media. Um, there wasn't a, a thousand people watching on the side of the lake, but it's certainly getting bigger and bigger and more coverage. And I think Karina Lee's done a good job of helping that, but certainly these guys are doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, off the top of my head, I don't think it's ever been done before. Um, two men and two women in a, a pretty exclusive open water race um, at the Olympic Games. So for people that are unfamiliar, it's it's not like the 50 freestyle where you're going to have, you know, probably 80 people at the Olympics in the heats of the, the 50 freestyle. The open water is just the top 16 swimmers in the world going head to head um, basically for two hours. Um, so it's an exclusive club to get into. Um, and an even more exclusive one to, to get a medal at. Um, and just super stoked for Nick Sloman as well. Um, pretty heartbreaking at the last Olympic trials or, or World Championships where he just so narrowly missed out mm. on that berth. He's, he's obviously Karina Lee's training partner for a long time and he was pretty much the number one open water swimmer in Australia for that Olympic period coming into it. Um, and, and it's such a tough sport, such a physical sport like... Um, you know, uh, nobody probably thought that four years later he'd be back um, on top, racing at this top level, um, getting your body and your mind right over that time uh, would just be so extremely difficult to do. So there's so many people in the Australian swimming community that are happy to see Nick Sloman um, get his credit and get his Olympic berth. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Congratulations and congratulations to the coaching team and all the coaches and everyone that um, was a part of these guys and girls getting their spots. Um, as I've always said, it doesn't, I'm, I, I love open water swimming. I love coaching open water. Um, and you, if you're an Olympian, you're an Olympian. It doesn't really matter what it, the event it is. And um, these guys and girls are putting in a lot of hard work, effort and time and kilometres to get uh, these accolades. So congratulations to them. Um, have you ever done any commentary on open water, Bobby? How do you think you no, go I on haven't. that? Two hours of just, you know, <laughs> you're not just feeling spot because th these are help. very hotly contested as well, but. Yeah. Yeah, they've got, um, World of Aquatics actually got Will Rollo from um, from WA over for the first time. So, you know, a guy that's super passionate about open water swimming and, you know, he's done H Nationals and stuff in the past too. So Will's a great guy and, and really strong behind the mic. Um, you know, I went to, uh, I've seen a few open water world championship events and they're definitely a lot of fun to go to, yeah. um, even events in New South Wales and whatnot, cause it's so different from just being at the pool and being in an indoor environment. And uh, there's almost like a carnival type atmosphere there. So really enjoyable, really easy to coach open water on the day. They do a little warm up, have a gel, and then you stand there for two hours. Yeah. Um, coaching them at training a little bit. A little bit tougher, a little bit more monotonous, you know, 70, 80K weeks and um, it's pretty much straight freestyle. So, um, you know, they're, def they're definitely the hardest workers and the they do the most volume in the pool. Um, so, you know, the, nobody flukes a good open water race. That's all I can say. No, no, absolutely. And they're hard workers, that's for sure. I've always imagined uh, commentating open water too. Like, say, remember Tokyo, they had like flying fish, how excited would that be? You're commentating next minute. There's like, because my attention span's quite short. So that'd be fantastic for me because I'd just be able to fly off and look at that. Look what's going on over there. Whoever's commentating next to me would probably hate it because they'd be like, all right, let's get back to the swimming. <laughs> but um, yeah, they had flying fish. I remember Karina Lee telling me like they were just smacking her in the face while she was swimming. So imagine Jeez. that. You're trying to win an Olympic medal 
and there's just fish coming out of nowhere. Bang, straight in your face. All right, uh, we're going to finish today with a prediction, Bobby. I'm going to give you a little bit of time because I'm going to go with my prediction first. I predict Jacqueline Barclay will get a medal in the 100 backstroke. I don't think she's going to be at the top of the podium, but I think she's going to jag a bronze medal. I think she's someone who is supremely talented, um, and I think she's going to seize this opportunity. She'll be getting a lot out of these training camps and being in with the older guys now. Her tail's going to be up a little bit, um, and I, I think she'll be able to jag a bronze medal out of this. And It's a bold prediction because there's some great swimmers still in there and some fast girls there. I think she's coming in with the third fastest time. Um, but I think she'll be able to capitalise on that. So I'm going to predict Jacqueline Barclay bronze medal for Australia. Okay. Her first. She's a junior world champion, by the way, but this will be her first world championship medal in an open event. So it's my bold prediction. What do you got? Okay. Uh, You've put me on the spot a little bit here, but um, <laughs> let me get something. I can talk a bit more about my bold prediction. A little bit more. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more. Bolder than bold. I think, you know, we've said Kate Douglas will have a good week. Um, Sostrom as well. Uh, I'll say Siobhan Hawhey. Yeah. Again, my favourite Siobhan to win the 100 and 200 free, the 100 in a world record. Uh, I think she's capable of breaking that uh, Sostrom's world record, 51.7. She was close last year. Uh, she's got the speed. She's got it all. She might have a little bit more open water this time around. Um, yeah, coming off the back of Asian game success, I think this could be could be a big one. She she has broken the two hundred short course world record, so it's not totally uncharted territory. No, so double golds to Siobhan Hall here with uh, a world record in the hundred freestyle, and um, I might add in there from a, an Australian point of view, Cam McAvoy gold in the fifty fly. How about that one? Okay, 50 there you fly. Go. 50 fly, gold in the 50 fly for Cam. Uh, they are great predictions, mate. They are very good. Um, it, you know, Siobhan Jorge, um, for anyone who's won, you know, bold prediction with the world record, I mean, she is legit always there and abouts at the finish, so it certainly wouldn't surprise me. Um, the monkey, I, I guess a lot of those competitors around her aren't there, as you said, so it might just free her up a little bit more, her, her first 35, whatever, easy speed as we talk about. Coaches, no one really understands that other than coaches or the kids wonder, what do you mean easy? So you want me to go easy? No, I want you to go fast. So you want me to go fast? I want you to do it easy. But she might not have, uh, I guess, that pressure um, to, to, you know, you know what it's like yourself being a former world record holder, you know, when you've got the top swimmers around you, sometimes it forces you out of your race plan a little bit. You don't mm. realise it does, but um, not that there's nobody swimming with her. I'm not saying that, but. It's certainly, you know, Shana will be there. There's certainly going to be swimmers there, but she might just feel a little bit more comfortable this time and you might be on the money, mate. Yeah, well, um, I'll just say the only person that's beaten, the only people that have beaten Siobhan in those two events um, in the last three years have been Australians. Emma McKean in Tokyo, um, Molly and, and Ariane. So mm. That's some pretty handy swimmers right there. So uh, this is Siobhan's time, yeah. Yeah. 
Mate, we're going to leave it on that because I think we've nailed it. I reckon we've got 100%. We're not, we're not really very good sometimes with our predictions. I'm not going to lie to the listeners out there if they go back and listen. I'm more confident than I've ever been. <laughs> but I reckon, yeah, I'm, I reckon we can, we can nail this one, mate. Um, well, thank you very much, mate, for joining us um, to preview what, what's going to be, as I said, an exciting World Champs. A lot of people, um, I think there's an article the other day, disappointing something about Australia, but just people that don't really understand what the hell's going on in swimming at the moment in terms of who's injured. And yeah, there was some news article, Gumbies who have no idea about sports anyway or swimming. But I love uh, to focus on the negative. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's it's opportunity. It's an exciting time. I think the Aussies are still going to go over there and, and do a great job. I think the swimming and the racing itself is still going to be exciting. So make sure you get around it. Good luck for yourself, mate. Have a good call over there in Doha and enjoy yourself. I know you, um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Bobby is a swimming nut and absolutely loves sitting there and uh, embracing the the environment and uh, and he, he's going to be certainly getting around it. So good luck over there. And as I said, I know your time's precious. You fly out very soon. So thanks for joining us and uh, helping me preview the world champs. Thank you. Yep, looking forward to it. Um, never a dull week at the World Championships. So if you're a swimming fan, definitely you should be watching this online, following the results and um, listening to some commentary on Instagram, hopefully. Yeah, if you can't get like sometimes it is hard to watch these things. I get that. Just follow on Instagram. All the results come through almost, um, you know, real time. So just keep up to date. That's how I like to try and keep up to date if I can't get Bobby's live feed. So uh, make sure you keep around it. But um, as I said, for all the listeners, Sunday the 11th of Feb through to Monday the 19th of Feb in Doha, World Champs. This is the last big stop, I guess, before the Olympic Games in Paris, um, before the Aussies come back and then try and go to trials to qualify for the Olympic Games. So get around it. Um, Bobby, as I said, mate, have a good call. Have a safe flight and we'll talk to you next time. Great. Thanks, Robbie. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by ProSwim Workouts. Nico and the team at ProSwim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, ProSwimWorkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to prosumeworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to prosumeworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. I just want